Oh, hey there, Bruiser Nation. Raise those anchors and get ready to wear the official merch of Bruiser Nation Productions. Visit BruiserNationProductions.KinCustom.com and show the world your love of the Bruiser Nation as you go about your day in style. We have Bruise Cruise podcast and to the turnbuckle tees, hoodies, jackets, shoes, bags, and even pillows. You heard that right. Pillows. That's BruiserNationProductions.KinCustom.com. Once again, BruiserNationProductions.KinCustom.com. And remember, Bruiser Nation, stay good, because I'm always good.
And I just realized the entire time that I was muted. <laughs> I'm off to a great start. Uh, so let me try that one more time. Welcome, everybody, to the Turnbuckle. My name is Travis Hot Wheels Napper. My name is not Logan, Logan Morris. I am not Bruiser McCarthy, otherwise known as Jason, the father of the year. Uh, I am Travis Napper, and I, the warden of this show, the producer of this show, am in control for the first time in my life because the inmates are not here. I have nobody to talk over me, nobody to interrupt me, and nobody to delve this show into even deeper chaos, which kind of sucks, but I'll do what I can. I will do with what I have. Uh, I do want to point out Logan cannot be on this show today. Unfortunately, he is dealing with some uh, personal issues, some family emergencies type stuff. I, I do not want to go into detail about what kind of things he's going through, but I will just say that he's going through some, some family emergencies and we wish him the best. We wish him nothing but good news, positive vibes, uh, and our thoughts and prayers, obviously. Uh, and we would like for you to keep him in your thoughts and prayers as well. And if you can, reach out to him on Twitter, uh, at Loganity, and send him some positive vibes. Send him a happy message. Uh, just let him know that you're thinking about him or that you uh, you wish him happiness and, again, just positive vibes. He's going through a lot. And uh, the reason I say that is because he ends the show every time we do this with a positive message to each and every one of you that if you guys are going through something, to reach out to us. And I absolutely support that. But right now, Logan needs us. And so I hope that you will reach out to him, send him some positive vibes, and help him get through what he's going through right now as he goes through a little bit of a tough time uh in relation to family emergencies and stuff. So that being said, I am no longer muted. You can't hear me. See, it wouldn't be a podcast. It wouldn't be the to the turnbuckle if I didn't mute myself at least once. So we got that out of the way. Show rolls on. I have been very late. I am a little bit frazzled, so I do apologize if I come off a little bit crazy right now, but I am trying my best to get this show on the road and get through everything that I want to get through because God, we have a lot to talk about. I'm going to try to do my best, try to get through it all, and dang it, I'm just going to try to get you as entertained as humanly possible because dang it, I like you. I like you all. So let's try to get through this. That being said, uh, I am going to give you a rundown of what we got going on the show today. So to start it off, I am going to recap Halloween Havoc. Uh, Jason did not get to recap or didn't get to really watch Halloween Havoc. And that's why it is first, because I don't want to put him through that kind of torture. I like the guy a little bit, even if I do kind of get on his case and give him crap all the time. I'm going to be nice to him. So we are going to start with Halloween Havoc. Uh, and then after that, if I get my shades on, uh, he will be on the show. McCarthy is going to join me in the second hour, which is around half an hour from now, which means I got a long ways to go for Halloween Havoc. Uh, actually a short time to get there. Uh, so McCarthy will be here in the second hour. That being said, once he gets here, we're going to talk about SmackDown and Rampage. To close out the second hour, though, we are going to talk about what happened with ROH and all that mess because Dang, there's a lot to unpack there. So we're going to get into that stuff. Probably be very, very miserable as we talk about it because it sucks. It's not fun. I'm not looking really forward to that because I like ROH. I don't really watch it as much as probably some uh, more hardcore fans do, but I like ROH. A lot of 
people from WWE and AEW came from ROH. And so it does kind of suck to see them potentially folding. There is no news on that yet, but obviously we're going to get into all that. And then you can't really see it because I am dumb and didn't put it in there, but we are going to, in the final hour, recap Raw and Dynamite. So there you go. And so that being said, let us, as I try to get everything situated, and again, bear with me. I'm just trying my best here. Uh, I'm a bad producer when these guys are on the show. I'm an even worse producer when it's just me. All right. So starting off with Halloween Havoc, I enjoyed the show. I really did. I thought it was a pretty good paper, or not a pay-per-view, but I thought it was a pretty good episode of NXT 2.0. Uh, they had a great card, I thought, lined up. And so I was very much pleased overall, just my initial thoughts of what I saw out of Halloween Havoc. I'm curious what all of you thought about Halloween Havoc. Did you enjoy it as much as I did? If not, do tell me why. But let's get into Halloween Havoc, because like I said, we have half an hour before McCarthy gets here. So I kind of got to blaze through this just a little bit. So to start it off, let's talk about that Tomasa Champa versus Braun Breaker match. Uh, first things first, how about the entrances? Honestly. Tommaso Ciampa coming out as the god of war. I was ready to go to war with Tommaso Ciampa dressed as the god of war. It was pretty awesome. I, I kind of popped pretty hard for that. So I was very pleased with that. Uh, and Braun Breaker, I, lo- I, I don't remember what his initial entrance looked like. I don't remember if they had the sirens in the initial one. So you'll have to excuse me and somebody can maybe leave me a comment whether or not that was the case. But... I don't remember if he had the the uh, siren in the initial entrance. If he did, I feel stupid. But if he didn't, I love it. Uh, I like that Braun Breaker's coming into his own. I like that he's kind of finding his niche. And I like how his entrance kind of has a throwback to both his dad and his uncle. So, kind of cool. But, that being said, Tommaso Ciampa, the god of war, Braun Breaker. They went to war, and this was fun to watch from start to finish. And whoops, as I completely mess up as producer, I, I enjoyed it. I can't wait for the sequel. I thought they beat the ever loving crap out of each other. Uh, I have no real big issues with the match. I will say I was a little bit surprised that Braun didn't get the title. I know all three of us, I believe, picked Braun to get the title, and it didn't happen. I don't have an issue with it, per se, because of the fact that I thought Tommaso Ciampa did a hell of a job putting over Braun Breaker. If you're not going to give him the title, the least you can do is put the kid over. And I I didn't have any doubts this was going to happen, but Tommaso Ciampa put the hell out of Braun Breaker over. So at least that was a, a phenomenal start. Um, and at the end of the match, I think it was Vic Joseph said uh, that Braun Breaker answered a lot of questions. He definitely did. And... I can tell you this. Mark my words, Braun Breaker will be a champion. I would almost wager that Braun Breaker will be NXT champion by the end of the year. That's only a month to go, but I would be willing to bet that he's a very good, he's got a very good possibility that he's going to be NXT champion by the end of the year. 
I can understand why they didn't pull the trigger on it yet. They still are kind of playing back and forth with the old NXT and the new NXT. You don't want to have complete overhaul of the champions. I don't think that's the right move. And honestly, if you watch the entire show, they had, for the most part, a complete overhaul. Not so much with the tag team championships. Uh, we'll get into that in a minute. But like the women's championship, that got overhauled to a new champion. The NXT women's tag team champions got overhauled into a new champion, uh, into new champions. And so I can see why they're kind of keeping some consistency there. That being said, dear God, I can't wait for the sequel to this match. I, I can't. I really can't. It's going to be brutal. It's going to be a, <laughs> no pun intended. It's going to be a dog fight. So can't wait for that. Looking forward to it. Moving on. Mandy Rose defeats Raquel Gonzalez. Speaking of changes, uh, to become the new NXT women's champion. I love this. Now she did get some help by returning Dakota Kai. Two things. Number one, welcome back to Dakota Kai. Obviously. Welcome back. Love to see Dakota Kai anytime. I think she's a wonderful talent. And I think that she's going to be great in whatever they have planned for her in NXT. That being said, I'm a little bit surprised Dakota Kai didn't get called up. That does, however, mean she is going to probably go up against Raquel Gonzalez, which I am all for. I like the idea of these two women having a potential feud without the title. I think that makes it even better. Yes, the title can be fun for feuds. It can add a level to feuds. But... When you have blood feuds like this, I don't give a damn about titles. I really don't. The only thing I really care about is two people beating the ever-loving crap out of each other. So that being said, I love that the title is not going to be involved in the sequel of this feud. Looking forward to it. Now on to Mandy Rose. Mandy Rose being NXT Women's Champion. I Love it. I know a lot of people aren't that thrilled about it. I know there's probably some people that are watching the show that aren't going to be that thrilled about it, but I love it. Why do I love it? I love it because I think she deserves it. I think she absolutely earned it. And finally, somebody showed some legitimacy to Mandy Rose. I thought she put on a heck of a, heck of a performance. Was it a little bit sloppy at times? Absolutely. I'm not saying this was a five-star match. Obviously not. But... At the same time, they did a heck of a job. They really did. And I thought this was a coming out party for Mandy Rose. And I was very impressed with what she put on the table. I can understand some people's frustrations. I can understand some people's questions that maybe this isn't the right time for Mandy Rose. That's valid. But with toxic attraction at her back, I feel like that is as good enough of a crutch if she needs it. And I don't think she does. But... Having Toxic Attraction have all the gold, which, spoiler alert, that's the next thing we're going to talk about. But having Toxic Attraction, uh, toxic attraction I try to talk too fast, have all the gold, I think helps. Because now it's not just Mandy Rose that has the spotlight, which she absolutely deserves, I think, as a, as a performer. And as the NXT Women's Champion, I don't want her to get overlooked just because she's in Toxic Attraction. I don't want her to not really become the focal point but having toxic attraction there does help kind of take some of the eyes off of her for a little bit it, it keeps her kind of strong because the faction itself is strong so I'm, I'm really excited to see what they do with mandy rose and I, I think she's improved i really do and for all the people saying she's not ready she's in nxt 
Okay. It's not like this is a main roster spot, which at some point, I think we've all started to get the idea that they're going back to NXT being the brand, the developmental brand. So if she's in the developmental brand, why is it wrong for her to be champion? She's in a developmental state. Make her the champion. So I'm okay with it. Uh, but then we got to go on to the next thing that I talked about, and that is the uh, Toxic Attraction winning the NXT tag, Women's Tag Team Champions Championships. Sorry. Uh, first and foremost, holy hell, was this brutal? <laughs> that's the one thing that's kind of consistent with this entire show. Good lord, was this brutal from top to bottom? Incredible matches, brutal matches. Uh, it was a little sloppy at times, I will admit. Same as the uh, women's NXT championship match. little sloppy at times. Uh, a lot of sloppy, probably at one particular juncture. Uh, vicious. What a vicious fall from Io Shirai. I don't think that was sloppy. It just looked painful. Now, I do believe that Io Shirai is okay, even though she fell, <laughs> she fell a long way and landed pretty hard on a ladder uh, I think flat on her back. And sometimes that's not always the best. And she kind of just bounced off the, off the ladder, rolled onto the ground. And you could tell even Indy Hartwell was kind of surprised and a little bit concerned for Io Shirai, kind of making sure she got up. I can get that. I can understand that. Uh, at first I thought maybe something happened with her partner, but Io Shirai took a nasty bump, but I'm glad they gave the belts to Toxic Attraction. Thank God. How many times have you watched this show for the last year, six months, three months, last month, last week, have I said that they need to respect the women's division and respect the tag team titles nearly every week? So why did it take this long for the NXT Tag Team Women's Champions to finally be a legit tag team. I don't understand it. Why did it take this long for a legit tag team to be the champions? It doesn't make any sense to me, but thank God it finally happened. Hopefully, this is a sign of good things to come that they're going to take those belts seriously because I think they need to. And Toxic Attraction deserves that. Because guess what? They're one of the hottest things in NXT. And I'm not just talking about how beautiful they are. They are the hottest toxic attraction in NXT when it comes to that women's division. So they absolutely deserve some respect. Hopefully, WWE is willing to give it to them. I know that's a little bit of a long shot, but hey, a man can dream. Ah, let's see. Next, let's talk about that Imperium defeating NMSK Lumbert Jack-O-Lantern match. I enjoyed it. I loved it. Again, like I said before on some of the other matches, I thought it was a brutal, vicious match. Um, I like this match probably the best. of. See, it's kind of hard because all the matches are pretty good. I, I would say this one, from a technical standpoint was probably the cleanest, I think. Just because I love matches like this where it's two differing styles. I, especially in tag team wrestling. You, you love matches like this because you have 
the aggressive, technical, brute style of Imperium versus the high-flying, kind of high-octane, in-your-face style of MSK. It usually works, and it's a good barometer for what these tag teams are all about, whether or not they're good, whether or not they're worthy of the push, and whether or not they can adapt to some of the other styles that there are in wrestling. And so I love seeing what these two teams, what these two styles can do against one another. I think that's a really fun matchup to have. I do like that Imperium got the titles. I do think it was time to get the belts off of MSK because, to be honest, it kind of felt like they weren't really doing anything with MSK for a little while ever since they made the change to NXT 2.0. Not really MSK's fault. It's just kind of how things happen. So I kind of feel like Halloween Havoc was a reset button for a lot of NXT to kind of say, you know what? We're going to take a step back. We're going to redo a lot of these championships. We're going to give them to new people. And again, they're going to hit the reset button, which is essentially what they did. And honestly, I'm glad that the Imperium got it because I think that they deserve it. And I honestly was wondering when they were going to finally get their shot, especially in NXT In NXT UK. They were the dominant force, obviously, especially with Volta. But when it came to NXT, they were kind of just there. They had their moment in the sun a couple times, but they were kind of just there. So it was good to see them finally get their, get their due. Um, I do though wonder, and I, I had this thought after I found out that, or after I saw that they won, what was going to happen to the Grizzled Young Vets? Um, because, you know, we've kind of joked on the show every single time the Grizzly Young veterans are even in a match on NXT that I have to be the Grizzled Young veterans soon to be recognized as NXT's number one champion in NXT. Uh, when is that going to happen? When is the Grizzled Young veterans soon to be recognized as NXT tag team champions? Because I don't even know if that's going to happen anymore. It. Uh, and I don't know why. And that's the thing that kind of confuses me. It, are you going to have the Grizzly Young Veterans go up against Imperium? They're two heel tag teams going up against one another. I don't know if that's the right decision. So I'm kind of concerned what they're going to do with the Grizzly Young Veterans. If they're not going to use them on NXT, please God send them up to Raw. Because it feels like you got rid of every tag team on God's green earth. Or uh, actually, uh, maybe SmackDown. Um, because uh, I, honestly, I forget anymore. I don't know which team raw. It seems like got fleeced with tag teams and SmackDown. I don't know who got all the tag teams. I don't remember off the top of my head, but send them up to the main roster, please. If you're not going to use them on NXT, the only problem with that is they are a perfect fit for NXT because they are the typical pro typical, just smash mouth wrestling pro wrestling team. And I don't think that's going to fit on the main roster. So hopefully they don't get buried into obscurity on NXT 2.0, but it kind of looks like that might be the case. So I'm curious what's going to happen with the Grizzly Young Veterans, but again, back to Imperium, I'm glad they got the win. I think it's a good change of pace. I'd be curious to see who their first feud is, and if they maybe give a rematch to MSK, I could see that happening. But that's the other problem with the division right now when in NXT is I don't know of a lot of babyface tag teams. You have the Creeds, you have Grizzly Young Veterans, who I see as a heel. 
you have Imperium, and I'm drawing a blank on some of the other tag teams, but I like who were the baby faces? And I maybe it's not a big deal. I know I come on the show every single time, and I'm kind of like the guy that kind of praises or you know not praises but points that out like baby face versus heel, like it's some grandiose thing that needs to happen in wrestling. Okay, I get it. It doesn't necessarily need to be that way, but I am kind of curious what they're going to do. Oh, let's see what else to talk about. Let's talk about uh, Odyssey Jones taking on Roderick Strong in the pick your poison opportunity from the Diamond Mind. I thought this was kind of weird. I really did. Um, Mostly because this wasn't the first time these two had matched up. Uh, and secondly, it is kind of funny that a guy of Odyssey Jones's size, no offense, not trying to shame or anything, but a man of Odyssey Jones's size going up against the cruiserweight champion. Why? And why did we make Roger Strong the cruiserweight champion, by the way? Of all of the championships you could give him, why the cruiserweight champion? I get it. He's too he can he can fit the bill. He fits the 205, but not a guy that I would expect to be cruiserweight champion. When I think cruiserweight champion, I think high flyers and I think guys that are just, you know, off the top rope and that kind of style of wrestling. Roderick Strong really isn't that kind of guy. He's more of a technical on the mat kind of wrestler. Why did we give him the cruiserweight title? But that being said, I do think Odyssey Jones has a bright future still. It was just a weird, weird format. I would have rather seen Roderick Strong against somebody else other than Odyssey Jones. If you're going to have Roderick Strong in a match, that's fine. But have it be against somebody that wasn't Odyssey Jones. It just it didn't seem like it made any sense. It was a fun match. It was a good match. But to me, it, it just didn't make any sense. I will, however, say... I do like the idea of the pick your poison mentality when it comes to the diamond mind. I like that little niche thing. If they keep that up, I love it. I think it's a good thing. I think it'll be cool to watch. And every week it can be different or it can be the same. Have Roderick Strong have a couple matches in a row. Have the Creeds have a couple different matches in a row. Please, God, have them have a couple matches. Love the Creed brothers. Um, and then the, the, uh, the woman, I don't, I apologize. I don't remember what her name is, but have her in a couple of matches. I've seen her a couple of times. She looks like she's pretty good. So I'd love to see that. Uh, and then the last thing that I'm going to talk about before I think McCarthy gets on here and should be ready to go is, uh, Joe Gacy winning a squash match. Cool. Maybe, I guess. What is going on with Joe Gacy? Can anybody tell me? Because I honestly don't know. I, I'm very confused. I don't like it. Uh, it it's kind of stupid to me. Uh, and then you have Harland involved, which it's like, okay, cool. Harland, also known as, I think it was what, Peter Bordeaux? Or Parker Bordeaux, excuse me. Not only did you shave his head, you made him look like a mass serial killer. Just pointing out the facts. And now we're going to have him be this crazy psycho that Joe Gacy, who is half his size, can control the beast. Where have I seen this before? The thing of it is, 
I, I don't like Joe Gacy's character. I don't. And it's not that I'm against the idea of making fun of PC culture, because honestly, we do it every day on this show. Um, It's just awkward. It's a very awkward kind of gimmick. And maybe that's the point. Maybe I don't get it. But I, I'm, I have to admit it. I'm not a fan of the Joe Gacy character. I really want to see what they do with Harlan, because I think he is... It, whatever it is, he is it. And I would like to see more of him, but I, I'm very hesitant of what they're going to do with him. And they really haven't seemed like they're doing much. And so my biggest question is where does the relationship with Harlan go? Uh, where is Joe Gacy going? He's won a couple matches, but are they going to put him in a title match? Like, is he going to be going for the North American title anytime soon? Like, what is the end game here with Harlan and Joe Gacy? And you don't have to tell me immediately. Like, that's fine. But at least give me some kind of hint. Because right now, all I've noticed is Joe Gacy wins a match. Harlan comes out. Harlan gets a little bit aggressive with somebody else. And then Joe Gacy... uh Black Widow's it and kind of takes the sleeping giant and puts him to sleep. Joe Gacy is Harlan's Black Widow. And Harlan is the Hulk. That's the story we're going with. Really? Okay. Um, But all in all, like I said, I thought that Halloween Havoc was pretty legit. I really did. I enjoyed it. I was happy with everything I got. Even the added addition of Chucky, which it was kind of funny at certain points. Like, I didn't mind it so much. They had good commentary on it. He cracked a couple jokes, which I thought were funny. Uh, I laughed when he basically insulted Braun Breaker and said, time to shut, time to show up, little pup. Shout out to his father. <laughs> So, hold on. Actually, that brings up a good point. They won't acknowledge he's the son of Rick Steiner, but so help me God, they'll call him Little Pup. Really? We don't give a crap about his father. We don't give a crap about his uncle, even though we kind of throw throwbacks to him in in his entrance. Like, we do that, but God forbid we let him keep his last name. We'll do all of this that alludes to his last name and who his father and his uncle are, but he can't keep his last name. Really? Really? Whatever, wrestling. Um, there were other things that happened on, uh, on Halloween Havoc. I didn't really think it was worth talking about all that much. Um... Johnny Gargano and Dexter Loomis basically had their own haunted house, which I guess is where uh, Dexter Loomis lives. Shocker. The serial killer lives in a haunted house. Awesome. Uh, I really hope that Dexter Loomis is somehow going for the North American title soon. Please, God, make it happen. Because I've been waiting for it for a long flipping time, and it hasn't happened yet. So I would very much like to see Dexter Loomis go for that North American title. Uh, 
and win it. And please, God, whatever you do, don't give the belt to, um, don't give it to Johnny Gargano again. That, that's not how this goes. And so hopefully they end up giving it to Dexter Lewis. But again, I'm not that confident that that's what's going to happen. All right. So with that being said, uh, I think I'm going to take a little bit of a break. Hopefully, Jason should be ready to join me. And hopefully he can save you from having to listen to me break down any more of this wrestling business. Because I'm already tired, man. This is a lot. And so I am going to take a quick break. Before I do that, though, I am going to plug some merch. So hopefully you enjoy that. And then when we come back, I should have Jason with me. And we should have plenty of fun talking about SmackDown and Rampage and all the other fun stuff that we got going on. So we will be right back right after this. Oh, hey there, Bruiser Nation. Raise those anchors and get ready to wear the official merch of Bruiser Nation Productions. Visit BruiserNationProductions.KenCustom.com and show the world your love of the Bruiser Nation as you go about your day in style. We have Bruise Cruise podcast and to the turnbuckle tees, hoodies, jackets, shoes, bags, and even pillows. You heard that right. Pillows. That's BruiserNationProductions.KenCustom.com. Com. Once again, BruiserNationProductions.KinCustom.com. And remember, Bruiser Nation, stay good, because I'm always good. Welcome back, everybody, to the Turnbuckle. And now I have a guest who's not really a guest. He's really just the other guy that's on the show that I kind of put up with that I guess I have to do the show with. Is what it is. The other guy. You're the other guy. You are my Marty Jannetty today. Deal with it. Oh, my God. That cut deep. Uh, but you know what? I will try to give him a proper introduction. He is the father of the year uh, this year because, you know, there's nobody else that kind of has beaten him this year. Last year, we had a father of the year that beat him, but this year we don't. Who was that? I don't I don't think so. I'm huh? Always father. I'm always father. No, you got beat by Brody. Admit it. Oh, yeah, that's fair. That, Be- that, that, Brody had I you will, beat. Brody had I you will. beat. I will allow actually that. honestly Shad had you beat, but Brody probably had you beat yeah. too. So I'm like third. You're like third yeah, last year. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> but your father of the your father of the year is this year. He yeah. is yeah. not the he, he doesn't push the shopping carts anymore. I don't know. What is your title anymore? What's all your 
All your accolades. You are a... Uh, All of my accolades, huh? Well, I mean, where do I start? I'm a podcaster, podcast producer, um, a director, a commentator. Oh, hey, we're out of time. Uh, Al, a cameraman, and a pest control technician. So I got all kinds of shit going on. But most importantly, he is the he is the proud leader of the Bruiser Nation, and he is the host of the Bruce Cruise Podcast, the only podcast that brings you pro wrestling for your ears. Shameless plug. Nailed it. All right. And did you, uh, see, did, did you see my posts that were now on Stitcher too? I didn't, but that is good we to are, know. Yeah, we are. Fantastic. Because, you know, the Bruce Cruise Podcast, the only podcast that brings you pro, pro wrestling for your ears. I did it once already. I know, but I had to do it again. And Bruce Cruise Podcast Macabro are all on the same page, just different logos. So we're all on, you know, Stitcher, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Pocket Cast. There's you like did, four more. You didn't do it right. Oh, I'm sorry? It's Bruce Cruise Macabro. Oh, I forgot about the Macabro. <laughs> I was trying to remember all the podcasting uh, apps we're on. I know. All right, so I had to run down basically Halloween Havoc in half an hour instead of an entire hour because I was very, very late, as I told you before we got started. Hey, uh, while, while we're talking about that, real quick, not to interrupt you, um, and he's got you the best draft now. Oh, shut up. Toxic contraction <laughs> took all the gold. All the gold. How do you feel about that, honestly? I freaking love it. How about Mandy Rose? Dude, she deserves it. Absolutely. Like, for sure. She's been, you know, crawling through, like, nonsense for years. So, finally, she gets her chance to be on top of the mountain somewhere. That's what I said. And, like, I, I told everybody else, it's like, NXT is clearly being booked as the developmental brand. If they're going to have a developmental brand, why not have somebody who you thought needed development as your NXT women's champion? It's perfect. It makes and, perfect sense. And plus, like, it, it really does feel more developmental than it did before because I feel like when these wrestlers get moved up to the main roster, their character is not going to get changed. No. That was always the issue between NXT and Raw and SmackDown, everybody go there and their character would change. Now that doesn't have to happen because Vince is a little bit more involved, so he knows what's going on. He says, and oh, yet this it does still work. will. He admitted it, it still will. No, I, I want to be um, hopeful in this instance, sir. We're wrestling fans, that doesn't exist. It exists. No, here it doesn't. The Shut up. Productions home studios, sir. <laughs> All right, whatever. Uh, All right. You want to talk some SmackDown? Sure. Let's do it. We have to start off, and I'm kind of mad because I really wanted to get a soundbite of this, but I couldn't do it in time. Uh, Adam Pierce cut a scathing promo on Mr. Brock Lesnar and said. That not only is Brock Lesnar suspended, but then he proceeded to double down on that and give his best Dr. Evil impression by saying that Brock Lesnar is now fined one million dollars. And it's kind of funny. I swear I saw a picture of him actually even doing this 
uh, <laughs> with the Doctor Evil. <laughs> like, he, yes, you probably did. I, I love Adam Pierce. Uh, Adam Pierce turned heel, man. Really it's wild, isn't it? It's kind of weird. We haven't had like I, I and I saw Bleacher Report even say this. Like when I was looking at some of the like the recaps of what happened on SmackDown because I didn't get to everything, but. I don't think it's been a little while since we've had a heel authority figure. And I actually, honestly, we have two now. Yeah, because I was to say, as long as you don't count Sonya Deville, because she's been kind of heel ish lately. But yeah, I kind of like it as as long as he's not all over the show. Like, I like how Sonya Deville has her one issue with Naomi. And I think Adam Pierce should keep his one issue with Brock Lesnar and not change how they do everything else and deal with all the other wrestlers. Yeah, it does kind of feel like they're into, when we get into that, it's like retreading old ground and no no one wants to see a heel authority figure all over the place. But we do want to see one. It's nice to see. I'm back. Oh, good. I was wondering what the hell just happened. I had to t- I was taking my keys off. It was bother me. Uh-huh. I don't know why, but it was. But I completely agree. I did hear most of what you said. <laughs> oh, okay. As long as you heard most. I heard most of it. I had to take the headphones sure. off, so I didn't hear everything. I have headphones on today. McCarthy, are you proud of oh, me? All right. Finally. The, the edict I said finally comes through. Ad- Adam would be proud ago. of me. Yeah, good job. Daddy, are you proud of me? <laughs> Is he watching right now? Probably not. That's fair. That's probably a good thing, too. <laughs> <laughs> we only said shit well twice now but i think i've said it like five times <laughs> oh oh okay and hell and damn i, I didn't say the say one say word that. i said last week yet and you know what word that is yeah i dropped one too <laughs> it's um so after this they cut to uh my favorite duo now to have a backstage segments, Kayla Braxton and Paul Heyman. I love them. in <laughs> I love them in interviews. I, they are perfect together. I don't know who found that dynamic and who thought that would be a good thing to do, but they have struck lightning in a bottle with this dynamic with Kayla and Paul. It's beautiful, but we got another hint into what might possibly be happening with Brock Lesnar and his former, possibly, advocate, Paul Heyman, because Paul was asked, how does he think Brock will respond? And at first, he was calm and collective, kind of dodged the answer at first. Then he was asked again, kind of dodged it, then was asked again, and proceeded to go into Brock Lesnar, Paul Heyman mode. What'd you think? Mm, I thought it was pretty good. It, and the thing I like the most about it is like he's he's given teases because, he, like you said, he'll go into like Brock Lesnar advocate mode and then he'll turn around and put in his like Roman range stick. So you really don't know where his loyalties lie right now. And that's just great wrestling storytelling. We we don't call him the weasel for nothing. Well, that's fair. I mean, we sometimes (laughs) we like to guess and we like to be right, but we also like to. I like to be wrong sometimes. I like to be surprised, and they've been getting a lot better about 
you know, storylines and, you know, we'll get to raw later, but they're starting to improve on that front. And I think we all know the reason for that. Well, I loved being very right on a lot of Halloween havoc, but I understand what you're talking about. That's fair. I didn't even <laughs> check those. I forgot to check. Uh, we were all wrong were. about Braun breaker. We were definitely right about Mandy Rose. I think we were right about toxic attraction Imperium. We got right. And I don't know if we talked about Odyssey Jones and Roderick strong or Joe Gacy in his match. Cause I don't think they were on the Wait. card. I don't think they were on the card yet. Did, did, did breaker, um, wrestle Champa? Yeah, he, he lost. Oh, oh, and I was right. Cause I picked Tommaso Champa. Oh, I thought you picked Braun too. Oh, hell no. I'm sticking with my dude, man. Chapa's my dude. Ever since I saw Johnny Gargano, well, even before I saw Johnny Gargano powerbomb him on a concrete floor, he was my dude late, way before that, but that's my dude, man. Okay. You know, he doesn't know that we're dudes, but that's my dude. <laughs> and you probably have lunch with him. Once or twice. Instead of us. <laughs> I mean, we're supposed to do dinner, but I'm always busy and you're always busy. That's fair. All right. Next thing we'll talk about is Shotzi Blackheart turning heel. Seems to be a pattern here. Uh, Shotzi interrupting the flare, not just the, not just flare, the flare of SmackDown. I know he's, I know she's not the flare. I know who the flare is, but right now that flare is not really flaring right now. Thankfully. See, I can say this because he's not here. He can't look <laughs> at me with disgust and disdain. <laughs> I love those looks. I, I thrive for those looks. I do, too. I really do. It's kind of sad. Um, But, yeah, Shotzi Blackheart turning a heel. I, and she destroyed Sasha Banks after her match, which, by the way, her match against Flair, I loved. I thought it was a incredible showing for Shotzi. Um, I know I put Shotzi Blackheart. I know they're still calling her just Shotzi. Why can't we just call her by her full name? She will always be Shotzi Blackheart in my heart. Mine See what too. I did there. If she has a black heart, does she really have a heart? I mean, just because it's black doesn't mean she doesn't have one. That's fair. Um, but she destroyed Sasha Banks, which I thought was a little weird. Because if you're going to turn heel you and you beat up the heel, to me, that kind of didn't make any sense. But at the same time, it was fun to watch. Well, I mean, is she is she a heel or is she about to be a tweener? Because exactly like you said, she beat up another heel. Does that really make her a heel or does that make her a rough and tumble tweener that's just going to kick everybody's ass? That's very possible. That actually kind of alludes to my question. If she is turning heel, is WWE stocking stockpiling too many women heels on SmackDown? Because you've I already wanna... got Sasha, you've already got Charlotte, now you possibly have Shotzi. Bailey, when she comes back, I would assume is gonna be a heel, depending on where she goes. Um trying to think who else is on SmackDown. I'm drawing a blank. Oh, that's right, because they don't care who else is on SmackDown. That's fair. I mean, I want to say yes if she's turning heel, but also Sasha can play both. Yeah, Flair, that's fair. Flair, Flair struggles as a face. She she's a better heel. Sasha can do both, so they can always flip her to face. And but it's sometimes it might feel like there's too many heels, but we have to 
accept that maybe this is their best fit. Sometimes WWE does shoehorn people into roles that they just don't fit. And if we have an abundance of heels, fine. Because in this day and age, heel versus heel can work. We've seen it work a bunch of times already this year where it's like and it creates that let's go Sasha, let's go Shotzi dynamic from the crowd. Because a lot of people know how wrestling works and they have their favorites regardless of whether they're heel or face. I mean, look at Roman Reigns. He's the top selling merchandiser in the company, but he's the top heel in the company. That right. never happens. Right. It's the first time that's ever happened. So the, the wrestling community is making their own decisions and they're going to put people in roles that they fit. And I think that's a smart decision. Let's not shoehorn people. Let's just see what they do best. And if they need to be a heel, they need to be a heel. If they need to be a tweener so they can feud with everybody, I'm all for that too. We need a few more of those. I don't think we have enough tweeners anymore. Say hello to the bad guy. I forgot one special important person that's on the ro- of the SmackDown roster. That's a woman. That's a heel. But it's okay because they've forgotten about her as much as I have. Shayna Baszler. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. She's DeVille's muscle, which makes perfect sense. I mean, it makes sense that they're friends, but can't Sonya DeVille, like, go? Like, isn't she a former <laughs> MMA right. fighter? Like, didn't she beat up somebody that broke into her freaking house? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Like, um, you know she's a legit fighter, right? Like, okay. Her, like, fight? Uh, yeah, I don't understand that either, and it kind of frustrates me, but it's okay. I hope I'll be okay. But hey, Naomi's a face. Yeah! <laughs> yeah, I was looking at the rest. It's like Tony Storm, uh, ba- uh, heel. Zia she should Lee. be a face, though. Huh? She should be a face, though. She really should. She'd but be very good at it. Heel? Zia Lee, I think, I feel like she's going to be a heel. Uh, Natalia, she could be a tweener. B Fab, yeah. that's definitely a heel. Yeah. Aaliyah? Uh, I feel like she's a heel. Like, it, to me, it never worked out as a baby face. I feel like she, yeah. if she, it, it, with her specifically, if she wants to be taken seriously, she's a heel. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Uh, have they really given her a chance, though? I don't even think she's had a damn match. I don't think she has either. <laughs> so, no. But it is only the second episode since the season premiere. So, there's still time. But considering how much they completely forgot that she was supposed to be on Raw, her chances don't look good. Last thing to talk about on SmackDown is New Day versus the Uso part, what, 50? Yes. <laughs> Can so, we get 51? Uh, probably, because New Day need the titles again, probably. Uh, so, New Day, basically Woods and Kofi had a knighting ceremony for Kofi, and he became the Hand of the King to one King Xavier, and it was interrupted by the Usos, because why not? Why do they care? They're the tag team champions. Like I know there's blood there. There's bad blood there. But why do the Usos care? 
they care because the king is stealing the thunder. And they can't have that. Okay. Uh, try to keep the king down so he doesn't challenge Roman Reigns because wouldn't that be a shocker if Xavier Woods is the man to defeat Roman Reigns? Speaking of, where the hell was Roman? Where was your universal champion? He took the night off. Why? Why not? Because Brock used to take weeks off. (laughs) Roman Reigns can't take one night off? No, he can't. He's the head of the table. He needs to be at the head of the table all the time. He was at the head of his own table at home, oh, having okay. dinner with his family for once. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Um, I was a little bit surprised, though, not to see him on there, especially because it. Was, I think the reason it was kind of weird is because it's the week after Brock gets fined even again. You would think that Roman would come out and cut some kind of promo on that, but... I guess they didn't want to either. He took today off or they just didn't want to go that route. So I'm sure next week he will have something to say about Brock Lesnar being fined $1 million. Um, Here's my other thing, though. Are we really going to give the titles back to the New Day again? No. Thank no. you. Please no. don't. No. Xavier Woods needs to be Intercontinental Champion. I agree. And then Universal Champion. With I don't know if I agree with of that. The king by his side. It's only fair. He I, deserves it. Okay. I think you can do it, honestly. I think I, they need be, to get I it off Roman first, though. I don't think I, him beating Roman to me doesn't seem believable. They would really have to build him up first before I believe that. And they're almost there, man. It's Xavier. We all know how good he is. I know. He just needs the the more singles opportunities because I don't want to say he hasn't gotten opportunities because for God's sakes, he's what a 12 time tag team champion. <laughs> he's in like the most successful group since got team three shield and even before then degeneration X. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw something on my feed here. Apparently Mandy Rose is the first woman from any tough enough season to win a championship in the WWE. Is that so? Apparently, according to the backstage brawl. Huh. I wonder what the job, uh, Mandy. I wonder what the record is for the guys too. I think it's the Miz. Yeah. I think and John Morrison's won a couple titles. So he, those two? Was he on Tough Enough? Yeah, I think he was there the same year Miz was. Oh. I totally forgot. It feels like the last couple ones. Well, actually, I shouldn't. I I should already know the answer to how many they really had because I remember the most recent one. Most recent one was Patrick, otherwise known as Velveteen Dream. Oh, I forgot about him. Yeah, a lot of people have. I'm still kind of curious where the hell he is. Nowhere. Uh, that's probably for the best. All righty. So let's move on. Let's talk a little AEW Rampage because we got to save Dynamite for the end. Yeah. Because you're on the show, which means I got to appease you. I mean, as long as we talk about it, I'm appeased. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about Rampage. Starting off, I know what you're thinking. I probably should start off with that opening match because it was awesome, really good. But no, I'm mixing it up. I'm starting with the main event. Let's talk. About Britt Baker versus Abaddon in an absolute ass kicking. 
Go right ahead. Oh, you want? Oh, okay, you want me to start? Okay. Yes, so, because this is your time. This is <laughs> AEW, so please, by all means, lead us away. So first and foremost, great ass kicking like type of matchup. <laughs> I think they need to work together a little more because there were times where you could tell that they just didn't have the chemistry that they wanted, but they turned it around. And my God, two table spots and it didn't break. Like that—that that was concerning. Ow. Because that hurts. I mean, the table hurts anyway. I mean, they said it on commentary. It hurts a lot more when it doesn't break, and that's for sure true. There's no give at all in the table. Later we'll give. Because, the, later we'll get the one that really worked. <laughs> I think it's because they didn't take that metal strap off. I don't think it was gigged all the way when they uh, put that table under the ring. But I mean, for Britt Britt Baker, she's really cementing herself as an every woman's type of wrestler. This is now the second time she's taken falls on thumbtacks, and and not everybody is down with that. I mean, I've stepped on one thumbtack. That stuff hurts. Imagine getting slammed on them and like and doing it twice in what a four month span. Like that takes some cojones, my friend. And the other thing, though, I'm not sure if AEW knows what to do with Abaddon. I really don't like, think they do. Uh, like I think they struggle with those type of characters because they try to have the more realistic product. I mean, I'm glad she's there. She deserves to be on the roster and have a job. And see, that's the only scare when it comes to a guy like Bray Wyatt, who may or may not join their ranks, is can they handle that kind of character? Because when he comes in, I, I fully expect he is going to have some version of the fiend in AEW or wherever he lands or wherever he lands. So can they handle that? I, I feel like with him, it's a little bit easier because he's kind of that half and half where he's half a normal person and a normal guy. Kinda. I mean, he was Mr. Rogers for about a year. So is what it is. But the other half, he's, you know, he's the character. But yeah, with Abaddon, it's kind of weird because I almost feel like she, the thing that would make it easier for them is if they gave her a mouthpiece. The problem is, I don't know who that could be. I really don't either, but I mean, that could be a really good opportunity for Bray Wyatt because he's, he's a seasoned veteran. I mean, if if anybody can make that work in AEW, it it would be Bray Wyatt, Sister Abaddon. Tony Khan does the booking. He doesn't tell you what to do. He doesn't tell you what to say. And he can give Tony Khan advice on how to book that kind of a character, because if you really look at the roster of AEW, they don't have anybody that's ever played that supernatural type character to guide people through it. Like they don't, they don't have a cane. They don't have an undertaker. They never will because those two will never go to AEW. They are WWE lifers for sure. So the next best thing would be Bray Wyatt to really hammer in that character. Cause I mean, you can tell Malachi black controls everything. He doesn't control what matches he wins and loses, but he controls his character completely. Sister Abaddon. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> But yeah, I agree. I, I think that's probably your best recourse if you're trying to figure out how to use her is give her a mouthpiece. Because I think that's the biggest problem right now is it's kind of hard to 
connect with her and correlate with her because it's just uh, it's just zombie yeah it's it's growling and zombies and you know eating flesh so you know that just that doesn't translate well you know eating flesh kind of gross so (laughs) kind of gross hey you know i don't want to i don't want to badmouth the uh the zombies what if the zombies watch our show man i mean audience man you got it you got to be thinking at all times that's fair but i have a plan if they come after us it's fine (laughs) We'll yes, and it involves stairs. throwing me down the stairs. That's only if you can't keep up, okay? You're trying to put me upstairs. What do you think's going to happen? <laughs> yeah, the kid in the wheelchair is going to make it up the stairs before the zombies. Okay. Look, I mean, there's an order. There's Jason and the dogs. Okay. And then you and then me. Oh. going to be last up the stairs because I'm the breaky of the stairs. Okay. That's okay. my role All right. that I have decided upon. Well, you never told me that part of the story. Oh, my bad. Uh, you just told me you were trying to get a fridge up the stairs. I mean, we'll just go canned <laughs> food. It's easier. <laughs> All right. Next on the docket on Rampage, uh, before we get to the main, to the opening match, which, again, awesome, awesome. is Dante Martin versus Matt Seidel. Third time's the charm. Matt Seidel, or excuse me, Dante Martin gets it done against Matt Seidel. Surprisingly, with no help from Leo Rush, even though Leo Rush apparently seems to be his mouthpiece, which I'm not big, technically big on. But what do you make so far of Dante Martin and Leo Rush? And should they continue with this or should they completely get rid of this before it ever goes anywhere? I I kind of like the dynamic because, for one, it gives some Dante something to do. And it's going to eventually lead to the Martin brothers turning on Leo Rush. Because right now, Dante Martin, as good as he is, is like swimming in water. He's just out in the middle of nowhere. Yes, he's getting matches. Yes, he just finished a storyline with Matt Seidel, an actual legit storyline trying to get over and defeat Matt Seidel. But when his brother comes back, I don't think he's going to need the mouthpiece in Leo Rush. Maybe they stick together as a tag team with Leo Rush as a mouthpiece. But I mean, right now, Leo Rush wants to be his tag team partner as well. That's not going to fly when I think it's Darius. Is it Darius? I think so. Darius Martin. And when he comes back, that's not going to work. They're brothers. They're going to tag together. It's kind of how this works until the brothers have, you know, an issue and fight each other. But I think run with it until Darius comes back. And I was really surprised because like Dante Martin, he's a face, 100% face. Like that's, I don't think that's ever going to change for at least five years. He's a born baby face. But Leo Rush is a heel. And I kind of like that dynamic and the fact that Leo Rush did not get involved and let Dante get the win on his own says a lot about the story they're trying to tell like yeah leo rush is hard on him but somewhere in the back of his mind he knows how good dante is didn't feel that he needed his help to defeat matt seidel it kind of made it seem like dante has learned from both of those losses from matt seidel and then was able to take what he learned and apply that to defeating matt seidel 
Did you ever think they were going to do anything with him in black? Seidel or Mar- Martin? Martin. Because remember, like, he, he cut that promo in the ring, and then Malachi Black, you know, the lights go out, and he kicks him in the head. Or he says something, and then he kicks him in the head, and they have a match. But it, it was almost like it was like a teaching moment. I always wondered if they were going to pull, pull the plug on that, but. I think they revisited in the future. I think it's definitely something that Dante Martin would really sink his teeth into, but I don't think it's going to be for a little while. Dante Martin's really got to move up the card a little bit to get to Malachi Black. All right. All right. And then last but not least, because I know you've been waiting to get to this match. Brian Danielson advances to the finals of the Eliminator Tournament for the World Championship against Eddie Kingston. Defeating Eddie Kingston, I should say. Uh, Match was incredible. Really enjoyed it. Hack of a performance from Eddie Kingston. Continued excellent performances by Brian Danielson. Ha! Got it right. Yeah. Uh, But I have some questions. Should Kingston have won? I I think putting Brian Danielson in the finals is a smart, especially when John Moxley tears through Orange Cassidy. Because, yeah, it would be nice to see Eddie and John Moxley again, but their matches are going to be better when they don't like each other. I, They wouldn't struggle at all by any means, but I think those two deserve to have a falling out type of story before we see them in the ring again. I think that will create magic like it did the first time when Eddie came into the company. Would I have liked to have seen Eddie and John in the finals. I mean, who wouldn't? But damn, the new John Moxley versus Brian Danielson in the finals. I mean, that's money. That sells pay per views right there. And we will talk about the new John Moxley when we break down Rampage or not yeah. Rampage Dynamite. Dynamite. Um. So what were you, what did you? I mean, obviously, we, I think we both thought this match was pretty good. Anything else you really want to touch about uh, on this I match, mean, though? Dear God, the, the the chops of Eddie Kingston are ridiculous. And I just love how Brian Danielson wears that stuff like a badge of honor. Like I don't it's one of those things where it's like, you know, some people in the IWC are like, you're pushing another WWE guy. You can't help but push Brian Danielson. You can't. There's no way around it. That was proven years ago when he got into the title picture because of the fans. You can't deny you, and you can't try to hold him in a spot in the mid card because it's Brian Danielson. He's too good. He's too good at everything. He, he's like Shawn Michaels on steroids, for God's sakes. Here's my question, though, because spoiler alert, John Moxley's probably going to win the other final. It's probably going to be John Moxley versus Brian Danielson. I would assume they're going to have John Moxley win. We can talk about that later on. But if he does, is it really smart to have John Moxley back in the title hunt this early? I think if when Adam Hangman Page beats Kenny Omega and then walks in and defeats the monster that is John Moxley, it only raises his stock higher. I don't think John Moxley is going to beat Adam Hangman Page. Because I know I at some point they're building towards MJF. 
Oh, for sure. Because he, he gave the, obviously because he cut the promo, I don't know if it was last week or this week, about it doesn't matter who wins the belt, he's coming for them no matter what. I'm okay with him not pulling, like pulling the trigger on that feud right off the rip. But hopefully at some point that we get at least a little taste of that. That's my only concern is I don't want to see that feud get buried again to the bottom of the barrel for another six months. I think that feud goes when they make the move to TBS. I mean, that's right around the corner. That's a big time marquee kind of a feud to build to the pay-per-view after they make that move to TBS. I think there's a lot of legs still um, with MJF and Wardlow. We got to get that situated first because that's coming and it might be taking a little too long, but that's AW style that they like to tell these long form wrestling stories. But I think that implosion has to happen first or immediately after Hangman Page beats MJF. Fair enough. All right. Well, that's enough about Rampage. Nobody cares anymore. Now I care. That was like one of the better Rampages they've had in a long time. I will agree. Great matches. Like everything we've been asking for other than the two hours. I did actually watch this Rampage from start to finish. And I have to agree. I, I very much enjoyed this Rampage. They had three great matches, I thought. Um, so I was very pleased, very, very big ups for rampage this week. Hopefully they can continue it. Hopefully that's a good thing of sign, good sign of things to come. Some not so good things to come though, is what we're going to talk about now. And that is ROH and whatever they got going on. I assume you are well up to speed on all this, Mr. Sir. Yeah, pretty much. So, for anybody who is not up to speed, it was uh, reported by Ring of Honor themselves, uh, I believe on Wednesday of last week, uh, that beginning after the final battle, which is, their, I believe, their last pay-per-view, right? In December, uh, ROH announced it will be taking a hiatus until the first quarter of the 20, of 2020. 2020 I am all over the place today. 2022 comes to an end. Uh, so they are looking to go back to live events in April. Uh, but they are said to be in this is from the actual quote reimagining themselves and reconceptualizing ROH. They expect it. Like I said, they expect to get into live events by April of next year. But here's the big kicker. Reportedly, all talent have been released from their contracts or will be released by their from their contracts. I'm still not sure. I, that whole part of this really still kind of confuses me. But reportedly, all talent contracts will be terminated or expire at the end of the year. And reportedly, anybody that's contract expired next year will expire after the live events in April. Something along those lines. So, I'll start off with this question. What does this mean for ROH as a company? I think it's a big risk. Depending on how many guys 
WWE picks up. Now, there's been rumors that like EC3 and Dan Housen are going to AEW. That won't hurt as much because they can go back and do some shows for Ring of Honor when Ring of Honor comes back. It's a scary proposition here for Ring of Honor, but I think I think reimagining and and changing things up a little bit is a good thing because yeah, we all love the honorable straight up matches, but we get tired of those quickly. That that's a given by their their twelve o'clock time slot and how small they've remained for so long. There's no there's no teeth. No bite, if you will, in some of their feuds because it's all about honor in Ring of Honor. I mean, it's in the name. I think that might be where they're going with this, but they it it's shaky ground right now because I mean, if New Japan picks people up, that's going to be hard. Like New Japan's willing to work with other companies, but that's a long trip, especially in April when everything is really picking up for all all these companies. To try to start up again is a big, big risk. And I, I hope they have a definitive plan on what they're going to do and have talked to people like, hey, um, we're going to bring you back or we'd like to have you on the show every so often, depending on who you're working for at the time. Yeah, um, I am very scared for ROH, very scared. Because I agree with you. I, I think this is way too risky in certain aspects. Just because it, it's one thing if they were planning to do this as a company, but the fact that they are planning to basically release everybody from their contracts, like that's the part that scares me. You didn't even bother to keep anybody around. Now, here's the thing. We don't know. The, the biggest thing we don't know is whether or not they are planning because to me, if they're willing to get rid of like everybody's contract, that to me, that to me says a couple things. Number one, they want to give everybody the freedom to do whatever they want to do while they plan out whatever it is that they're working towards. But number two, I wonder if they're looking to try to renegotiate some contracts and see who they can renegotiate with to come back. Because I, I imagine there's some names that aren't going to budge from Ring of Honor. I wonder if Jay Lethal is one of them. The Briscoes are probably one of them. Uh, and a, maybe a spattering of others. But those are the two big names that I'm sure everybody's looking to probably stick around uh, once things get back to normal for Ring of Honor. But that's the part that really scares me is what's going to happen. Like you said, if some of the talent goes to the WWE, they ain't getting them back. Nope. If some of the talent goes to AEW, that's at least a little bit better because they'll still be willing to work with them. I also wonder if they're willing to do some partnerships um, because we already know they do a little bit of a partnership with the NWA. Um. And so the the first thing that kind of popped in my head, because I've been watching some of the Ring of Honor stuff over the weekend, is are they maybe doing a merger? Are they is that where they're going with this? And maybe they do. Mer I think it wouldn't be the biggest thing. It wouldn't be the baddest thing in the world if they did merge with maybe a Ring of or a uh, NWA. I think that would help them. 
I think they would fit in quite well together. And, you know, I've watched some Ring of Honor stuff recently, too, and it's they haven't been able to be in front of fans. So that's hurt them a lot. Yeah. And so I think that's one reason why they have to get release these guys on their contracts. There's bound to be some kind of unspoken agreement and bond where it's depending on where you go, we would very much like to have you wrestle for us again in the future, which obviously it's basically WWE. You can't, everyone else is willing to work together. And I think this is why we never saw ring of honor and AEW do anything together. Like, cause we don't know how, cause this couldn't have been a, Oh, we're going to do this now. This has been in the works probably since January. Right. If not sooner to be able to, Basically, I mean, there almost seems like they're liquidating the company to a point. And if you're planning on doing that, you really can't do a lot of partnerships with those bigger companies, the AEWs, the New Japans and everything like that. And and they could merge with New Japan. New Japan still wants a foothold here in America and California. It just got put on hold because of the pandemic. We get all past all this nonsense, hopefully, finally, that that could open the door to give New Japan more home country, homegrown talent to work in Japan so they can focus in Japan and move people over to California and vice versa. Essentially, what you could do is kind of do what Jeff Jarrett start, tried to do like five years ago with Global Force Wrestling is have multiple different companies still kind of doing their own thing, but moving around. And ultimately I think that should be the goal is having, you know, like they used to do in the territories where, you know, you worked for that territory, but you went elsewhere and worked for another territory. Every once in a while you were on loan and stuff like that. Um, what other kind of concepts do you think this is going to bring about for ring of honor? Obviously you talked about, they might, get rid of maybe not maybe get rid of, but like kind of lessen the amount of, you know, just straight up honor wrestling. I still think they're going to be ring of honor, but obviously I do think you're right that I think they're going to maybe slow back on just the straight up wrestling matches. What other things do you think that they maybe need to focus more on? They definitely need to focus more on, and this will help if they can get live events and television dollars is a lot of times I've watched it. You know, what's coming like, yeah, we've been watching wrestling almost our whole lives. So even in WWE and AEW, we know what moves are coming next, but it's really evident, especially with no crowd and ring of honor, what's coming next. And you can feel it between the guys, like, because they haven't had the chance to, Oh, hey there, Bruiser Nation. Raise those anchors and get ready to wear the official merch of Bruiser Nation Productions. Visit BruiserNationProductions.KinCustom.com and show the world your love of the Bruiser Nation as you go about your day in style. We have Bruise Cruise podcast and to the turnbuckle tees, hoodies, jackets, shoes, bags, and even pillows. You heard that right. Pillows. That's BruiserNationProductions.KinCustom.com. Once again, Bruiser Nation Productions com and remember Bruiser Nation, stay good because I'm always good. Even wrestle in front of the roster 
Like, I mean, at least AEW and, and Impact to an extent let their roster come out and hype them up a little bit. Like, they haven't had a chance to do any of that. But I think you make the the honor of Ring of Honor its own division. If you agree with these rules, you can be the Ring of Honor champion. If you don't want to agree to these rules, you're going to be a different type of champion and in that aspect i think there's also a lot of women that they can pull in from the independent scene to focus on that as well because we're coming up on that too they they may even team up with women of wrestling or one or whatever the hell they're calling that thing <laughs> that aj lee and tessa blanchard are a part of yeah, I can't wait for that to get started. That should be yeah, aw- that's gonna be legit. That should be awesome. Um, how much of their talent do you really think is gonna stick with them? If, if just give me a ballpark percentage, ten percent. Ten percent are probably going to keep working on the indies, making decent money because it's twenty twenty one and you can. But I think a lot of them are going to go other places, and that's going to really affect the storylines that they can tell. Um, I give them about five more percentage. I'll give them fifteen. Fifteen. Because uh, it's going to be hard to like. Because yeah, the the people, the wrestlers love Ring of Honor. I mean, yeah. even Seth and Kevin Owens and. The Young Bucks and Cody, they still talk about it glowingly. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you got to make money. You got to get out there and wrestle. And that's been that's been Ring of Honor's biggest downfall, too, is over the last 10 years, and I actually heard even Cornette bring this up because, you know, Ring of Honor for a long time was even his baby at one point. Um, Cornette even said that the biggest issue for them is they haven't had the roster that they had 10 years ago. Not even the close. Because, I mean, you look at their roster now, and I actually pulled it up just to get an idea of who I think is going to jump ship. I mean, a lot of the names is, is not names that you're really accustomed to hearing. I mean, yeah, they got the EC3s of the world. They have the Briscoes. They have Jay Lethal. Um, on the women's side, they got Angelina Love. Um. They have Dan Housen, who I would love to see in AEW. <laughs> the rumor is he's coming. I, I think that would be pretty legit. But, like, you look at the rest of their roster, and it just, there's nothing really there. Like, Matt Taven, I, I know he's pretty good. Um, But, like, man, looking across their PCO, obviously, long-time guy in our in ROH, but... They really just don't have even remotely close to the roster they had when they had the Samoa Joes of the world and Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes at one point and Adam Cole and Bobby Fish and on and on and on. They just they, they haven't been able to get that roster as of late. And so that that is probably a big part of why they have to go back and, you know, why do they? Maybe that's part of it, why they're going back and looking this over is why don't we have that roster anymore? Why people, why don't wrestlers want to come here that are on the independent scene and work for us, even whether it be part time or not? 
So I, I'm curious if that's part of what went into their thought process because it has kind of hurt them for quite a while. They've been, pur- I mean, they haven't been purging talent, but people have been taking their talent for a yeah. while. And it's the caliber of talent that they had that has left has not been reloaded. And that could no. be another reason why they need to go and, you know, maybe team up with an NWA or New Japan because you have already, you have names involved in that. 